Do you ever struggle with remembering details from your travels? Then I've got something special for you. How would you like a better way to keep track of all the things you see and experience in Scotland? A way to keep those special memories and all the details fresh for years to come. My new Scotland travel journal might just be what you need. It includes daily journaling prompts to help you start writing about your day, lots of space for doodling and notes, prompts to reflect on your trip overall, and suggestions for things to do that help you make more meaningful connections with Scotland. There's also inspiration for your travel bucket list, a map to draw your route, space to keep track of your travel details, and some Gaelic and Scottish phrases to try while you're here. All you have to do is print out the journal, fold the pages in half and start writing. The Scotland Travel Journal is the perfect companion for your upcoming trip to Scotland. Find it in the Watch Me See online shop or visit the link in the show notes. And now, let's get on with the show. Hello there, and welcome to Wild for Scotland, a podcast full of immersive travel stories from Scotland. I'm your host, Cathy Kamleitner. Wild for Scotland helps you connect with Scotland and dream about future adventures, regardless of your travel plans. Each episode starts with a travel story to whisk you away. Then I'll tell you some of my top tips to visit Scotland for yourself. So lean back and enjoy. Let's travel to Scotland. Welcome back to the 10th and final episode of this season. We've travelled far and wide together and driven down roads all over Scotland. And even though there are many more scenic drives I could tell you about, even the best things must come to an end. But don't worry, I have one more story for you today and it's taken us back to the roots, so to say. We're going to the Isle of Mull. Now, I've been to the Isle of Mull several times and one of the reasons I love coming back to it is because it's a really big island with lots of things to see and do. And it's the perfect place to explore even more of the little islands you'll find in this area. From Iona and Staffa to Langa and Alba, it's the ideal island for a taste of island hopping. In today's story, I revisit a day trip I did to Mal back in September. Of course, the island deserves a lot more time than that. But on this occasion, we only had time for a day trip and wanted to make the most of it. And so we took an early ferry and planned a scenic drive round the quieter part of Mull and some really great wildlife experiences along the way. So let's fasten those imaginary seatbelts one last time and hit the road. This is Wild Isle. Achtung, Sumpf! Tony shouts back at us. Careful, there's a bog ahead. Us, that is my mum and my dad and me, slowly making our way through the more or less pathless expanse of wet hillside. In Austria, where I'm from, bog, or as we call it, Sumpf, 
only really exists on low ground, somewhere where water flows off from the hillside or mountains and gathers in a valley below. With nowhere else to go, it forms ponds, marshes and, well, bog. But here in Scotland, on the Isle of Mull to be exact, bog defies these laws of gravity. It exists everywhere, rugged coastlines, high plateaus and even steep hillsides. It is overgrown with grass and moss, and you really need to watch out for the signs. One wrong step on what you thought was a patch of grass, and you might end up hip-high in water. The ground giving way like a cloud, no solid surface to stop your foot. And so we listen to Tony's warnings, and take extra care as we make our way across this boggy hill. But why on earth are we even in this situation? You see... The Isle of Mull is home to a particular type of bird that roams these coastal glens. Eagles. And we're hoping to see some today. We arrived on the island early this morning and drove from Craignure towards Finnefort. Even though you could consider this a main road on the Isle of Mull, it turned single track as soon as we left the village behind. Initially, it followed the coastline, revealing one scenic bay after the other. Through the trees, we tried to spot the rooftops of the castles on these lands, Duart and Torosi. But soon the road turned inland and entered the glens. Mountains were rising left and right. A woodland framed the road for a while. There was a river down below, and whenever it twisted and turned, the road followed its way upstream. Eventually, its source came into view, a series of lochs like pebbles on a piece of string, flowing from one to the next. At the far end of the loch closest to the road, I could see a little island, a crannock, an artificial island built in a Neolithic and used as a small dwelling, surrounded by water and easy to defend. Today, only the base arrives. We continued past an old stone bridge with two arches, built by Thomas Telford, a name increasingly familiar on my journeys around Scotland. At the end of the road, we met Tony McLean, a hiking guide who knows Mal like the back of his hand. He's taking us to one of his favourite places on the island, which is coincidentally also a great location to spot eagles. But as it is with wildlife watching, you gotta be patient. And so, instead of wasting our time by staring at the sky, we look down instead, not just for ankle-twisting bumps in the ground or sure signs of a boggy abyss, but also for plants that grow along the way. Many of these plants are typical for a boggy moorland, and my parents even recognise some of the same species they know from back home. Tony can name them all, and he knows their stories. Bog myrtle, for example, is a great natural defence against midges, and is often used in insect repellent soap or candles. Soft rush was used for centuries to create rush light, a basic type of candle that was cheap and easy to make. If you wanted a brighter light, you would simply burn it on both ends. Which is where that phrase actually comes from, to burn the candle at both ends. Butterwort, on the other hand, 
is a tiny carnivorous plant, barely noticeable among the taller grass, but we thank it nevertheless for eating plenty of midges. I pick up the bright orange seed pod of a bog asphodel, its pretty petals long gone. Yellow tormentil, on the other hand, is still in bloom. There are delicate harebells and eye-catching scabious, adding some colour to the autumnal scene. Somehow Tony spots the tiniest version of a sundew I've ever seen. Who knew exploring a bog could be this much fun? As we climb higher, the ground becomes drier and going gets easier. Finally, we get to enjoy the views. All around us, autumn is in the air. The grass is still green, but it's already forced to give way to purple heather and golden bracken, an annual battle it will eventually lose. Away in the distance, I can see dramatic cliffs, lined with basalt columns falling towards the sea. In the other direction, I see the rounded shapes of yet higher crags behind me, tiny figures moving along the ridge. Not far from me, there is a bird hovering in the air, way too small for an eagle, but an unusual sighting nevertheless. Kestrels are rare these days, and it's amazing to observe it as it hovers high above the ground, waiting for its prey to make the first move. The hillsides are bare, and only a few trees hold on to the steep slopes in the wet quarries. It's a landscape that feels quintessentially Scottish, a view that you could see in many places here on the West Coast. But it is, of course, a rather recent creation. The key is in the plants. Tony tells us that in springtime, these hills explode in a sea of purple. Bluebells grow all over the cliffs, revealing that they were once covered in an ancient forest. An annual reminder that this glen wasn't always this empty. In many ways, Mull is still a wild isle. The weather, the wildlife, the rugged coast. But it is also a place where nature and humans collide fighting for survival at worst, or elegantly dancing and merging into one at best. After a little while, we reach a small, shallow loch. Over the summer, the water has warmed up just enough to be a refreshing delight after a little hike, or so Tony says. We change into our swimsuits, my bare feet hitting the ground, cold and wet, tiny stone pebbles crunching between my toes. The water is a slight shock to my system. Not as cold as I had feared, but still undoubtedly a Scottish law. I swim a few strokes, focus on my breathing. There, that's better. We stay in the water for a while, digging our toes into the soft mud on the ground, watching those hikers on the ridge move from one trick point to the next. The sun appears briefly and hides again behind the cloud, a sign that it's time to move on. We continue exploring, down a steep path to some beautiful waterfalls, and up again through, you guessed it, vertical bog. Just before we get to our car, Tony stops all of a sudden. Without saying a word, he points at the sky, and there we see it. A flying door. A bird so big it must undoubtedly be a golden eagle. Everything 
drops silent. Elegantly, the eagle glides through the air, flaps its giant wings once, twice, and glides again, effortlessly towards the sea. The encounter lasts only a few moments, 10, maybe 15 seconds, before the eagle suddenly changes direction, heads straight up into the sky, and then down towards the ground. And it's gone. Stunned and speechless, we bid our farewells to Tony, to the eagle, and to the hills of South Mull. The road is calling. Back on one of the main roads on Mull, we drive along the shores of Loch Beg, a shallow sea loch connected to the long fjord of Loch Screeden by a narrow passage. The tide is out and there's barely any water left. In the flat, muddy ponds that remain and on the grassy verges on the shore, I can see highland cows, a whole gang of horned, shaggy cows and their young calves, feasting on the lush grass and scouring for minerals among the rocks. Behind them tower the peaks of Coravain and Coramore. A little to the left lies Benmore, the only Monroe on the island. Back at the stone bridge, we turn and start following the scenic route. Not that the road hadn't been scenic so far, but some drives are so picturesque they actually get to claim that word on a road sign. Within a few moments, I can see why. The water of Loch Screeden is perfectly still, its surface like a mirror, throwing the blue and brown shades of the hills right back at them. A grey heron stands next to a lump of rocks on the water's edge, surrounded by golden seaweed waiting for the sea to return. For a few moments, it doesn't seem to notice me, but as I click the shutter on my camera, it looks up, spreads its wings wide, and lifts off into the sky, flying low above the smooth water, its mirror twin perfectly copying its every move. The scenic route from Lochberg to Salen leads around the Artmenach Peninsula, a rough and remote stretch of land, sliced in half by a narrow glen, the east dominated by Ben Moore and its neighbouring mountains, the west a near-empty expanse of hills that suddenly end in a wall of cliffs and waterfalls. The road follows the shore of Loch Screeden, runs through the valley and re-emerges on the bay of Loch Nakhil, with its scattered islands and views of Staffa and Lunga on the horizon. It climbs up and down, swings left and right, revealing views of the sea and deep gorges carved by the rivers running off the hills. We stop for a break near the top. Bright blooming heather framing dark rocky crags, islands just about visible through the afternoon haze. Back down by the sea, the road becomes narrower, if that's even possible. A slim band of tarmac, just wide enough for a car to squeeze through the gap between ocean and rock face. The mountains looming closely overhead, seemingly watching our every move. A seawall on the left forms a reassuring barrier. Every now and then, a passing place appears out of nowhere, always at the exact moment when I need it. Maybe Mull is not as wild as it is magical. I hold my breath on this nerve-wrecking drive until finally 
the coast flattens out again. The road is still narrow, but at least there is space now to see oncoming traffic and somewhere to go for the sheep on the road. We drive across stone bridges and past little bays, beaches and headlands. On one of them, there's a small group of people huddling together. Their cameras in hand are mounted on tripods, silently staring in the same direction. From the corner of my eye, I spot the object of their attention. An otter mum with her cubs playing in the shallows. I wish I could turn my gaze or stop to join the watch party, but the road requires my full attention and we've got a ferry to catch. We reach Salin, a small village on the Sound of Mull, with a Gallic name so familiar as it is frequently given to places on inlets and bays. Salin Bay literally translates to Bay of the Bay. We join the now luxuriously wide-feeling main road to Craignure, two lanes and all. There we find the restaurant with a terrace that overlooks the bay and watch the big ferry go back and forth, arriving from Oban, car spilling out of its belly, others driving on board, and off it goes again, taking weary travellers back to the mainland. Eventually, it is our turn, and it's time for us to head down to the jetty and make our way home. As I look back to the island one final time, I think about our experiences on that day. The erratic bog and the tumbling waterfalls, the eagles, the kestrel and the heron, the coos and the otters, the narrow roads and the open landscapes. While nothing in Scotland is as untouched as it seems, Mull to me is still a wild isle. I hope you enjoyed this story to the wild Isle of Mull, its bogs, its coast and its winding roads. Mull will actually feature in two of my ready-made itineraries. It's part of my West Coast itinerary, which will be available to buy before Christmas. That route also visits Artnamarchen and Morvern, which you can hear more about in the episode At Peace. And Mull will also be one of the islands included in my island hopping itinerary, round the Inner Hebrides. That one will be available for pre-order before Christmas and then launch in the new year. Now, before we get to my top tips for a trip to the Isle of Mull, let's take a quick detour and hear about our sponsors. Now it's time for the practical part of the show. You know it, here are my top five travel tips to make the most of a visit to the Isle of Mull. Tip number one, explore the southwest of Mull. Most people, when they arrive on Mull, head straight for the north of the island, to Tobermory or Calgary Bay. And those are beautiful places. But if you want to experience the island off the beaten path, it's worth exploring the island's quieter corners. The scenic roads on the west coast are a good place to start, but the southwest of Mull, the so-called Ross of Mull Peninsula, is even better. 
That's where I went on my most recent trip, and I loved every second of it. I'll post a link to some tips and pictures in the show notes. Tip number two. Watch out for wildlife. From eagles and hen harriers to otters and seals, you can see lots of wildlife on the Isle of Mull if you just pay close attention and travel slowly enough. You could even hire a local wildlife guide who knows the best spots. Which brings me to tip number three. Hire a local guide. We hiked with Tony McLean, who runs Walk Mull and offers guided hikes all over the island. He customised the route entirely to fit our needs. Me, hungry for adventure, and my parents, who are a little slower afoot. Tony is super knowledgeable about plants and animals, but also the history of Mull. There's really nothing quite like heading out with a local guide to really experience a place. Our hike would have never been the same without a guide. Tip number four. Book your ferry in advance. This one is a biggie. Even though there are several ferry crossings from Oban to Mal per day, it is important that you book your preferred sailing ahead of time. It's a popular crossing and I wouldn't rely on getting a last minute spot. Tip number five, add plenty of time on the road. If you use GPS or Google Maps to calculate how long it takes to drive from A to B on Mal, I suggest adding extra time on top of the estimate. Not only because you'll want to stop for scenic views and wildlife spotting all the time, but also because most roads on Mull are single track. That means you'll automatically drive slower and might have to stop for oncoming traffic a lot. And with this, I send you off to dream about your own trip to the Isle of Mull. I hope you felt inspired by this and other episodes this season to plan a road trip to Scotland, of course, but also to explore lesser known routes or to slow it down and spend more time in a smaller area. I will keep writing short road trip stories for the next few weeks and release them on my Patreon. So if you'd like to stay in my passenger seat for a little while longer, join me there. Bonus episodes are included from the wee puffling level, which supports my work with £6 per month. If that's not in the cards for you, and you'd still like to stay in touch, follow me on Instagram at wildforscotland or sign up for my weekly emails. I'll put all those links in the show notes. Wild for Scotland is written and hosted by me, Cathy Kamleitner. This season has been produced by Fran Tarowskis, who also edited the episodes and created the sound design. Podcast art is by Lizzie Von Knight, the Tartan Trailburner, and all original music is composed by Bruce Wallace. Until next time, and a new season of Wild for Scotland. If you're still here, listening all the way to the very end, it means you've probably got your hands full. So let me take this opportunity to remind you that I don't just write immersive travel stories. I also plan unforgettable itineraries for Scotland, and it's never been easier to follow one of my routes. Head to watchmesee.com forward slash shop to browse my ready-made Scotland itineraries and turn your travel dreams into reality.